Get ready for a no BS approach to health and fitness. This is NBS Fitness Radio. All right, and we are back with MBS Fitness Radio, and I am here with Betty Hayes. Say hello, Betty. Hello. Um, Betty, hello. Uh, are you a native Memphian? Or? Uh, yes, okay. I am a rare native Memphian. Rock and roll. Okay. <laughs> so Betty is a native uh, Memphian. Uh, she met our manager, Keiki, at a junior league um, meeting and uh, was really uh, impressed by your story and thought it would be something good for our listener to hear as well. So, Betty, kind of share with me, um, share with me your story uh, and how fitness has impacted your life. I'd be more than glad to, and I'm so honored that you've asked me to be here today, and hopefully that something I will say will speak to your audience out there, but I will tell you my story, and it, it should begin, I guess, with, as childhood, we were in a very active family, and we exercised a lot in uh, swimming and badminton and things like that. But my story really begins when I was 18 years old, I married. Okay. And I married a man about 10 years older than I am. And after marriage, I realized that he was extraordinarily abusive. Mm-hmm. He was verbally, emotionally, and financially abusive. And I w- was 18 with just a high school degree and was completely controlled by him and had to adjust and live with that. And I was blessed with parents that gave me a great faith to begin with, and I had that to turn to, thank goodness. And we moved from Memphis to Mississippi, and during that time when I lived in Mississippi, the abuse got worse and worse and worse. And so I had an experience with a doctor there that is remarkable. And he put me in a situation to make me aware of the fact that there was nothing wrong with me, which I had been preached to on a daily basis. Mm. And when I realized that, he said, there's nothing wrong with you. Your problem is relational. And he said, you need to make a decision whether to stay in this or whether to leave. But if you leave, you'll have to face the consequences and as he left the room I remember turning around just as distinctly if it was yesterday and I said with God I will overcome this and I right that minute as if it were yesterday I said dear Lord please help me to spend the rest of my life helping other women who are in my situation to trust you and overcome it and so the journey began. Wow. I had no work experience, did not know how to do anything, and was taught on a talk to daily being told nobody cares what you have to say. Mm. Nobody cares what you have to say. And I had not a dollar, not a dollar. He prevented me from any money or anything. And so we moved, and we eventually ended up in Evansville, Indiana. And when we arrived in Evansville, Indiana... Uh, a friend's neighbors said, we go to the YMCA, the women. When the children are in school, we go to the YMCA, and we work out, will you go with us? Well, that was okay with him because the neighbors did it. So I went, and I started taking an exercise class. And when I did, the instructor wasn't long. She came up to me, and she said, 
you're a natural. Did you know that? And I said, no. And she said, let me train you because you could teach. And I said, okay. On day one. Uh, day one. That's awesome. <laughs> and so day one, she started training me, and pretty soon I could teach classes. And they said, we're going to open a new area, a new facility, and we want you to teach. Well, it wasn't long before I had like 100 people in my class. They were coming from everywhere. So uh, let me pause you real quick. What kind of fitness classes were you taking back then? It was called, um, it was just exercises, like army exercises and things. It was prior, we're talking about the Stone Age. So what, what, uh, when was this? What, what uh, year? It, it was in the 70s. Okay. So it was prior to where I'm going with okay, this. Okay, okay. Because this is going fun. Yeah. But anyway, so I went out and taught at the other facility, and all of a sudden I thought, well, you know, I could go to my church and teach there, which I did. And people came and taught, paid a little bit of money, and that's where I was beginning to get money oh, wow, okay. to buy essentials for me. Yeah. And so I didn't drive. I didn't learn to drive till I was 26. And so anyway, I taught these classes at the, at the fitness, I mean at the church, and made a little bit of money. And before you know it, we moved uh, back to Memphis in the, in the meantime now. I was invited to join the Junior League okay. because of my husband and his job and everything. Well, with my high school degree, that limited me. But in the Junior League that is so instructive and informative, I got a college degree of my experience in the Junior League. And just about the time that I became an active, we moved back to Memphis. And so I had learned all these skills and all these things, and I started taking class exercise classes in Memphis. And people said, you need to go to Sherry Ganong's class. She is so hardcore, and you're perfect, and you need to go to that. So I did, and I went to her classes, and it wasn't long before I just, I, my faith, I just walked up to her and I said, I want to go into business with you. Wow. And I, she was the best I've ever seen. And she had her own studio. She had nothing. She worked it. She did it out of a, a, of a gym. The, the fitness center you're talking about was mine. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. We, so I approached her about that, and she said, you know, I've had a lot of people approach me about that, but I, my heart just tells me you're the one. So long story short, we decided to go into business together, and because she was Sherry Kanong, my husband agreed to buy a building and, f and furnish it for us with the floor and the music and all that. We opened the doors day one, and he didn't give me a penny. He said, you're on your own. I mean, I had no marketing money. I had no staffing money. I had no money for anything, yeah. zero, and went to the bank and said, I don't know how to make a bank deposit. <laughs> and the banker said, oh, I'll show you how. Yeah. So we did, and we became the hottest facility in the city of Memphis. It was back, this was 83, 84 okay. by this time. And that's when Jane Fonda was it. That yeah. was all over everywhere. So what we would do is we would go to Jane Fonda's workout in Beverly Hills. And was that ever experience? I'd never been to California or flown <laughs> on a plane or anything, but we went. And Jane Fonda's workout, which you may would think would be like the Taj Mahal, was actually uh, a room probably 20 by 40, and yeah. that was about it. And then she had an area where she sold clothes and so forth. And one trip we worked out for a solid week in this little room with Madonna. <laughs> 
and I talked to her every day and all that, and that was really fun and exciting. Here's this little girl with no experience doing all this. And Jane Fonda's instructor, main instructor and personal trainer, was uh, a fellow that Richard Walsh. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I invited Richard Walsh to come to Memphis to our facility uh, on our second anniversary, and he did, and stayed at our house. And then we went out there and stayed with him and did all these things. And we were with all the producers and movie stars. And here goes the story. And, I, I mean, I'm just walking on faith because they used to laugh and say, if if tomorrow somebody comes in and wants to sell motor oil, she'll do it. And I said, it's, <laughs> <laughs> trust God. So anyhow, uh, I've we worked. That's how I got really into my fitness. Okay. And uh, we began to have all the top instructors in all from all the country yeah. come to our facility, and so we were there and we we did all of that. Now, in the meantime, this abuse con- situation continued to be worse, and on top of that, both of our mothers were diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease mm. within three weeks of each other. And you and your husband's, or you and the other business owner? No, my husband and and myself. He was an only child, and I had one brother, and he had cancer. Mm. And his wife had cancer, and she died first. And so for about 20 years, I was caregiving there Mm. with with all of of this going on. And during the middle of it, when that when both mothers were diagnosed with with Alzheimer's, I knew God didn't put me in the middle of that for no reason, and so I went to the Alzheimer's Association to to learn what I could, and very quickly, here again I, w- I want you to say this. Here's the journey. Yeah, and I was invited to be on the board of the Alzheimer's Association right away, and accepted that because I knew I could do something hopefully to help fight this horrible disease. And when I was on the the board with the Alzheimer's Association, God put a woman in my life that's the most incredible human I've ever met or ever known ever. Her name was Margaret Askew Hood. And Margaret's husband had Alzheimer's for 20 years. Now, Margaret lived to be 104. She founded almost everything in Memphis. She founded the Alzheimer's Association, La Bonner, La Passe, everything, putting sororities and fraternities on the University of Memphis campus. And she was so wise and so energetic. And I can remember we were going to a fundraiser together, and I was riding with her, and I said, Margaret, I'm going to do everything that you tell me to do. I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. And she had a way that she could turn around and look at you and answer you with one sentence, and one sentence was a chapter of a book. And I said, I I just want you to teach me everything. And she just turned around and looked at me. And she said, keep your body in shape so it can do what your mind can think of. Mm, I love that. And I want to tell you that at my age right now, I did do that. And at my age right now, do you have the most remote idea how thankful I am that I not only listened to her, but to my mother, who taught me your attitude and exercise keep you young. And they do. And I learned it, and there's no way I could have gone through what I did with that part of my life if I had not been 
conscious of and realizing that food is not fun, food is fuel, and it is here to nourish our bodies, and we need to exercise and take care of it because our bodies are the temple and the vehicle we have been given to use to take care of ourselves, others, and to do the job that we have been sent here to do. Yeah, 100%. And, and if we don't take care of our temple, we are useless, and that is the last thing we want. Plus the fact, again, back at my age, that I look at all my friends and people that I know who would love to do the things and love to do half what I'm doing, but they're, they have let their bodies go, and they can't yeah. because they did not take care of that they listened to having fun and doing all those crazy things yeah. that, that prevented them from doing it. And I was so blessed along in my fitness business and area to have so many experts that I listened to and learned from. For example, I had a clinical dietitian that worked with me that's a dear friend. And she taught me because during these stressful times, not knowing what was coming up that would be even worse, that when you are under stress and pressure, adrenaline builds up in your body and it builds up and restores into your body. And what you need to do, make yourself do this, is to do something aerobic for at least 12 minutes. It takes at least 12 minutes for that to release. Now, the automatic reaction is for one to go and eat comfort food. Well, the comfort food is comforting for about five minutes, and then it starts destroying your body over time, and it slugs you and puts you to sleep. So I encourage everyone, if you are under horrible stress of any kind, get up, walk around your house. If you can, walk outside. If you're in a hospital, walk down the hall. But do something aerobic yeah. for 12 minutes at least, and that that helps so much. And so as I progressed on with, with these things and through the Alzheimer's and they passed away, my brother with cancer, I nursed, he had throat cancer and wanted me to speak for him. Mm. So I took care of him as well. And after all of that happened, keeping in mind that I'm still under this abusive pressure 24-7, my husband had a ruptured triple A, oh, <laughs> a ruptured abdominal aorta in 2005. Nobody lives through it, and he did. Oh, wow. How did they catch it? He was a miracle. He was an absolute miracle. That's usually one of the things you just... I took him to the... Yeah, you go straight <coughs> down. Yeah. And uh, what we had, a, a, my daughter-in-law, who had been a nurse, called on the phone. It was Super Bowl Sunday. 2005, and she called on the phone and said, are you all watching the Super Bowl? And I said, no, I'm watching Butch. And sh I described it. She said, and she doesn't know where this came from other than God. She said, get him to the hospital as fast as you can. It sounds like he has a ruptured aorta. He had pain in his back. Now, who would know that? Yeah. We get to the hospital, and the top thoracic surgeon <laughs> in the area is walking down the hall. And I just went straight in, and they took him in. He was in surgery forever. Mm. He lived through it, but he was in intensive care for two months, subacute four months, and it took him almost a year before his mind began to come back. Yeah. But the doctor said, what's going to 
take him down and get him eventually is that we discovered he has advanced cirrhosis of the liver. He was an alcoholic okay, as yeah. well. And so he did survive it, but you cannot imagine what that year was like. And if, and if I had not had the faith to know, to pray every day for recovery for him, strength for my children, strength for us to get through all of this, and, uh, and to move forward, which after the 10 years in that fitness business, uh, we had closed the business, and I had started selling the active wear mm, okay. that, that I used to go to California and bring back yeah. for Target and Lululemon and right, all that. Right. And so I had started selling out of my home by appointment and in fitness centers, mm. and it added to it. And added to it, here again, the story of how God has led me into being able to take care of myself and grow and learn. It evolved into a full-score boutique. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was still selling out of my home. And after he finally came home, he was in a hospital bed in the, in the uh, house. And I knew I couldn't do that. So I opened a little boutique. And um, he was going to be in a hospital bed and a wheelchair and sit in there with me. He was very personable, so that was okay. He recovered from that and went back to work half a day. Okay. And a year later, a little over a year later, he had a massive stroke, and he was paralyzed on the right side and permanently. Mm. And then he, we progressed through that, and he was diagnosed with liver cancer. How, how old is he uh, as this, all this is occurring? He was 70 okay. when he had the uh, rupture. Gotcha. He died from the liver cancer three weeks before he turned 75. Okay. So during that time, I'm trying to run a business, run the house, take care of him, and survive all this. Um. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that he was not very physically active or health, uh, health no. conscious. No, and this is what I would like to encourage everyone again, that during that my, I was in a position, horrible position, but a wonderful position, because I was in a position with my mother, with my brother, and for five years with my husband to listen to every doctor and every nurse that came in and asked questions. And went to school on it. Yeah. And st and for some reason, stayed with it to know that all during this I had to take care of myself. And he was definitely not healthy. Yeah. He did not do, when the doctors told him to not drink anymore, he quit going to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was, <laughs> that was the response yeah. to that. So uh, <laughs> that is what he did. Gotcha. Okay. And so <laughs> anyway, I, I'm just very blessed and fortunate that uh, that I did follow those rules yeah. and, and what it works and your attitude is everything and you have to look at the good in everything because there is good in it and what has is been the most difficult thing for all of us especially in today's world where we are taught and instructed every day that we can be strong and we can do it and we can do it we are so programmed that we can do it that the hardest thing to do is let go and trust God. Mm -hmm. And and when there's no answer, and there usually is no answer to a lot of things, you, if you let go and trust God, look at my life. 
he opened every single door and to where I had have had now a very successful, very visible uh, apparel boutique that where we've done huge fashion shows and everything. So from from uh, fitness business in Indiana to a huge fitness business in Memphis to a, a clothing boutique for 23 years, I've done that now. Is, this, is that still open? I closed at the end of October. My lease ran out. Last year. and uh, This past year. Oh. And so I called a friend of mine and said, I don't want to sit down. I want to come to work for you. So I'm able to go and do what I love to do and wow. then have the freedom to come and talk to you and be with you today. Yeah. But it's so uh, important for people to have the, the foresight to know that momentarily uh, having letting yourself go because it's such a temptation yeah. when you're under stress and anxiety and good heavens this last year, if that has not taught all of us that, that the anxiety, how many people have come into my boutique and to where we are now? Every single one have come in and said, I've got my COVID-15. I mean, everybody stayed at home and ate yeah. and cooked. And ate and cooked and drank wine yep. and drank wine and drank wine and, you know, did all of those things. Yeah. So, uh, and that that is the biggest, you know, during the 80s when we were going through our fitness businesses, when two things I saw happening, and that is that women started drinking wine. Mm. Well, and then they would come in and say, well, I've gained all this weight and I've gained it all in the middle. It's the wine. (laughs) And then also they started popping pills. Mm. You know, if the maid didn't show up, they'd take a pill and a pill for this and a pill for that. And those will weaken your body. I'm looking at those women today. There isn't one of them that didn't take all the diet pills and the mommy pills and Mm. all of those things that now their bodies are suffering from it. And I can't prove this, but I see them with osteoporosis and cancer and this and that and the lack of activity. and, and yeah, well, If nothing else, I, I think that a lot of times, not in every case, but in, in many cases, the reliance on a pill right. versus taking some type of positive forward action right, and the cumulative effects of, of relying on medicine Versus relying on exercise, nutrition, eventually that's going to catch up to you. Absolutely, (laughs) it's exactly right. And and I do. I'm very again very blessed. I don't take any medicine except a thyroid pill, which I've taken since I was 33. And I take a lot of vitamins. And I have hints and suggestions for people. These are things I've either been advised about with an expert. Or so many things I've just discovered on my own. And that is every night before I go to bed, I put a glass of water with lemon in it, squeeze the lemon and let the water and the lemon infuse in the water. Mm -hmm. And so the next morning when I take all my vitamins, I take them with a tepid full glass of lemon water. And as you know, that flushes toxins out of your system and starts your day off right. It clears your thinking. I also swim in ice cold water. If I cannot, if it's way too cold, do it. I know that's crazy. Where do you do that at? Uh, my swimming pool. I have one, a pool in the backyard. And if you can keep it, it I don't have a heater. Okay. So, so, but so during during the winter time, you're swimming in it. I'm in swimming in it, okay, but I don't it. swim in it uh, if the way, if the temperature is really below, goes below like 38, 40, 38 or something like that. Then I don't swim in it. Uh, but look at the Scandinavian people. I mean, this is what I 
thinking re- craziness I have is that I research who does something and who does it well. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going to try. And so if if it's too cold, I'm not that crazy. Yeah. So I don't. But here's what I do instead. And and anybody can do this. And it's not fun. But hey, <laughs> a lot of times things that are good for you are not necessarily right. fun. I stand when I get through showering. I'll turn the water on ice cold and stand there and let it beat on my head and all over my body. But I let it beat on it, and you, I'm telling you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. But I, it's unbelievable. Well, the, so the, one of the reasons I'm smiling is because that's uh, cold, uh, cold water therapy or cold therapy, and then um, heat therapy are, are things that we we utilize here. And yeah. I, I just had Taylor Somerville on, who uh, who runs a company that. It's based around uh, cold therapy and heat therapy. So uh, right, and and here's what. <laughs> but happened. I typically it's, it's just it, I'll tell you it's just it's amazing to hear it coming um, from from yourself because typically I hear it coming from like twenty year olds, thirty year olds, and most people uh, who are, you know are older are so like I'm not gonna do that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, and and uh, and you and you have to. Yeah. I mean, look at That's the. Awesome. Uh, th- there's a reward to this, uh-huh. and uh, and I'm I'm preaching it because awesome. I can still do everything <laughs> I did when I was 30, 40 years old. Yeah. But the the water thing, it's crazy. You know, when you get through with it. All of a sudden, you can your thinking is more clear. You're you're more alert. You're I mean, physically, you feel so much better. Yeah. It's like beating yourself <laughs> in the head with a hammer. It feels good when you quit. Yeah. But it's true is that you can really think more clearly. Yeah. And and this is may sound personal or whatever, but it's I think it's important that I I mean these are just things I've discovered that afterwards when I'm putting on makeup or whatever, you have to go to the bathroom like every five minutes yeah. it flushes out the your body, the yeah. toxins out of your body. So anytime we can do that, I also uh, recommend very highly for every and Margaret taught me this to eat a big salad every day. It could be breakfast, lunch, dinner, but eat a big salad every day, which I do with as many fresh vegetables as possible in it. And uh, I try to eat fish. I either eat put fish or chicken or eggs on it, mm-hmm. and um, I try to eliminate as much salt, uh, chemicals, no chemicals that possible. Now, let me say this. That, that I do that all during the week and a lot of times on the weekend. But if I have the opportunity to go to a party or go yeah. out to dinner with somebody, then I do I- eat pizza and, yeah. and do whatever I want to do. Yeah. And uh, and those are – but th- it pays off in oh, the 100%. long run. Yeah, that's – I think the uh, – we kind of like uh, no drinking during weekdays kind of thing. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's, a, it's a strategy that I've used and we use a lot of people. It's like – I. I I try to prevent people from doing what I call the light switch, which right. is going from, you know, all to nothing and back to off. You yeah, know? right. Uh, and so the idea of like, man, just if you can stick to your good game plan during the week, yeah. and then on the weekend, you go have you know, relax a little bit and have fun. But if, you know, if five out of seven days you're doing pretty good, right? that 
the that one or two meals on the weekend is probably not going to make that big a difference. It's not, and and it's back to the drinking wine thing. Yeah. When I'd have my store, and women would say, uh, "Well, I bet it's the wine." I'd go, "Yeah, that's exactly what it is." And I'd say, "You've got to quit drinking wine." And they go, "I'm not going to quit drinking wine." And I said, "Well, I quit drinking wine, and I now drink vodka and water and lemon." And they just die laughing. And I said, <laughs> "Because if I have a cocktail, I'll have vodka and water with lemon in it, and that." flushes i'm telling you if women would just get away from the wine because that's what really builds you up in the middle because it has such a high sugar content Mm -hmm. but your clear alcohol either gin or vodka has less sugar right and so if you want to have a cocktail have that and if you can do it with lemon water which takes a little bit of practice to get to that It, again, flushes your system, and I have seen so many women that have come back to me, and I said, your stomach will just go away. Your abs will just flatten out if you'll do it. Now, I mean, you don't want to do this every day, right. and <laughs> but you get my point. Yeah, if you're going to have a drink, that's a better that's drink of choice. That's much better to yeah. do that, and you know, so you can give up your wine and switch it to something else. But it, it, these are all just tricks and things that, that and there's so many others that, Very cool. that I feel like you need to, to listen to. Awesome. Okay, let me ask you a few, some stuff about your story. So, um, how did you end up with your husband uh, at such a young age and someone, you know, um, so much o- older? Like, how did all that kind of come about? Uh, that came about because um, even at, at always, I've very been very, very, very challenge-oriented, but challenged with myself, and mm-hmm. not, I'm not competitive with other people, just with me. And so I always enjoyed being around people who were older, and I realize now that what I liked was being around people who were challenging. Yeah. But at that time, at that age, I thought it was because they were older. Yeah. And so I had a friend in high school that I graduated with, but in high school that was dating an older friend. And she said, he has a friend, and uh, would you double date with us? And I said, sure. And so we went out. I had just broken up with my boyfriend, so that was a perfect time. So we went out. Well, we dated for three weeks, and then I started dating a friend of his. <laughs> and so after about six months, he called up and said, are you over that now? Yeah. And we went back out together, and we dated about three weeks, and then we got married. Wow. And it was because he reminded this is ironic because I had the most incredible parents in mm-hmm. the world. Everybody said they'd rather be with my parents than than us yeah. because they were wonderful. And he reminded, I thought he was going to be like my daddy. Yeah, yeah. And at 18, that mentality, you know, he was good to me, took me out to dinner, and yeah. did all that. And I thought he would be like my daddy. And when we got married, it was on a Saturday at noon. And so we left to go to the reception at mother and daddy's house. And we got in the car, and I just leaned over to snuggle with him, and he just shoved me away, and he said, we're married now. Don't do that. Mm. It started that oh soon. Oh, man, that's rough. Right then. But that's how I ended up with somebody yeah. that much older. We did not have our children, our first child, until two years later, and then four years later for Wendy. But um, we, it w- I stayed because I had no choice. And... I, I, for a long time, for actually probably 20 or s- years or so, David, his brainwashing to me had me convinced that I was totally worthless. Mm-hmm. He, it was, it's so 
mind-boggling to me now. To look back at it. To look back Mm -hmm. at it of his daily saying to me, nobody cares what you have to say. Mm, Yeah. And look what I'm doing. Let me ask you this. (laughs) So what was the relationship like with with your children and, 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 and him? He, it, our children. I mean, they're. Uh, I'm assuming they, they're aware of like the way that oh he treated gosh. you. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yes. It and it broke their heart. And and they're aware of it in when they were young and growing up as well. Oh, co- mm, of yeah. course, of course, and um, of, co- of course they're adult now. Yeah. But um, and they were very well it. And what he did with our daughter was awful in that he would tell her one day, look at your mother. She's anorexic. Don't mm-hmm. do like she does. Don't do like your... M-. And the very next day, he would say, look at your mother. She's fantastic looking. Everybody wants to look like your mother. You need to do what your mother's doing. And the next day, reversed. And she got such mixed emotions. Yeah, that, but she is, without a doubt, I have two of the most amazing children. And so many people know my children. My son and his wife live in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and have a very successful restaurant chain. But my daughter has been in the media in Memphis for cool. forever. And my daughter's Wendy Hayes, the traffic reporter. Oh, nice. And okay. Yeah, and she's um, lives in Atlanta now. She's been there uh, 12 years. And she does all the traffic all over the whole Mid-South from Atlanta. But when she was here, she was on Channel 5 and flew, cool. flew in the helicopter and everything. And they are phenomenally wonderful children. They, are, they have God in their lives. That's right. So that's all you need. And, and, I, and I, this is the most important point. All you need is God. Because... Education is wonderful, families, wonderful friends, money, all that is wonderful. But when it gets down to it, and I've had to get down to it, all you need is God. Because when my husband, from day one, as I've told you, but after he died, the children didn't live here. And they had to get back to their lives. Yeah. And everyone, when I went to church, everybody said, we don't, I, I gave his eulogy. And uh, he wanted me to. I had given several eulogies prior to that. And he said, I, my only regret is I'm not going to be here to get you to give my eulogy. He knew he was dying. And afterwards, when I went to church, people said, we don't need to worry about you if you can do so-and-so. Everybody has always thought I'm so strong. So I ended up being totally alone yeah. because he had been sick so long that everyone needed to get back to their lives. And I've never felt so alone mm. in all my life. And I remember going to Vegas to market for uh, my clothing store. And I was in the hotel and walking through the halls at midnight because I couldn't sleep. And so I thought, well, I'll look in the shops. And I thought, this is crazy. This little 18-year-old girl is walking through the halls of a hotel in Las Vegas at midnight on a Saturday night by herself. And I could hear my voice, that inner voice that said, you're by yourself everywhere, but I'm with you Mm. everywhere. And that's so true that we're never alone. We are absolutely never alone. He's there, and he, if we trust him, he'll open the doors. The, the people he has brought into my life are so incredible. The experiences I've had, the, uh, the information given to me, and 
the knowledge that I have. And to be my age and be able to still be doing everything I'm doing yeah. is, uh, is blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this. So um, as a fellow Christian, one thing that I've noticed um, is, is the body, especially with regards to health and fitness, is something that most Christians and most churches are unwilling to address. Yes. In other words, it, it, if you were amongst a group of Christian women, and one of those women was drinking a little too much. You probably be, you might say, "Hey, like you should probably turn down a little bit." They were talking to another man, uh-huh. not necessarily having an affair, but kind of like going down that that road. You right. know, say, "Hey, like it's probably not, it's probably inappropriate for you to be like having those conversations with that per- with that person." Mm-hmm. Um, even with regards to s- some money situations, hey, like you you probably not being frugal with your money, being a good steward. But uh, I don't know if I've ever heard of a situation when someone said, hey, like, you're being a pretty bad steward with your body. Like, you, you're, you're putting on some weight, you're not exercising, you know, you're eating bad food, and that's having a ne- negative impact on you in the kingdom. Uh, that's not okay. You need to turn that around. I'm not, I've never heard that happen. I've never heard it come out of a, uh, out of a preacher's mouth or in a small group. And and I and so like it's that stigma in the United States is like, <laughs> even though we are on this rocket ship to unhealth and everyone's right. becoming obese, even amongst the church who's supposed to speak truth into uh, the world, we don't in that situation. What do you, what do you think the hesitant? I mean, I, I have my ideas of what the hesitancy is, but like, why do you think that's such a faux pas that uh, amongst other Christian Christians to tell someone like? Hey, the fact that you're morbidly obese is not okay. Like we, we gotta change that. It's wonderful that you brought this whole thing up because that is is so on my mind too. And it is really on my mind right now because in my church we have a new minister that's been there about a year. And he does uh, on Facebook, he does social media from the treadmill. And oh, he nice. walks every day and he's so he cares about it. And I have seriously that been considering and definitely going to go talk to him about it because I know he feels the way we do. And here's what I think has happened, and I think it has nothing to do with, I won't say nothing to do, with Christianity. I think it has to do with religion mm-hmm. because in religion, which is not <laughs> Christian, I mean it is, but yeah, yeah. Uh, intellectual religion, what do people do at church? They go and eat. Yeah, and you go and eat, and if you look in the mirror, that you're supposed to be narcissistic or whatever. And if you look in the mirror, if you care about how you look, yeah, then that is wrong. Right. And so, what has been taught that I ha- see and that you see is that to be conscious of taking care of yourself and being fit and b- being trim and being healthy and that kind of thing is not on a, on the front burner. Yeah. It is frowned on yeah. as being egotistical. And that's what uh, we were, I was talked about before this we had this today is that this has been very extremely difficult for me because this whole thing is not about me. Yeah. This is about how God changed my life. Yeah. It's not about me. But I think people in general in church think it's a sin to 
care about how you look and how you feel, and, and I think that's why it's been put on the back burner. Yeah. But it's something I really want to pursue is that I believe if presentations were made to the uh, congregations and to the groups and small groups and, and larger groups presented biblically like you and I are talking about, I think it would open up a lot of eyes and yeah. to people to start and think a, a different way than they've ever thought before. Yeah. And I had to do that. In, yeah. in Indiana, I can remember going to Bible studies and different things, and I used to, my husband bought all my clothes, and so I could look in my closet, and I had all these bright colors and all these things, and I'd think, I can't wear that to the Bible study. I need to wear navy blue and black. And, <laughs> and then I could hear that voice saying, I gave you those clothes, put them on. Not yeah. my husband, but God. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a, we feel, we have been taught to feel guilty to think, otherwise yeah. and I think that's where it, it comes from and it really bothers me too because there are so many obese people in our country yeah. that that need to know that it's okay to take care of yourself right yeah yeah so I what you were saying about um it made the stigma behind uh exercise and fitness I think one of the reasons is because the extra uh, the fitness um, the fitness industry caters to the um, the primal. I'm trying to think of the right word. The the primal desires, uh, and so it is. It sells. It, it, it's the sex sells stuff. So right. like you know, the fitness industry in itself uh, sells that idea of like come in here, look good, be attractive to the next person, wear skimpy clothes. Right. Um, Especially now that you've seen social media, the expansion of social media, there can um, so many of these fitness influencers just turn the attention one hundred percent on themselves, right? And it's just very, it is very narcissistic, right? And then if you're outside of that, um, with a Christian worldview, and you may look into that and you go like, "Ugh, that's narcissistic. That's um, that's." Um, that's focused on the self, and I don't want to be, be, be a part of that. And it's like, well, yes, that's true. Right. Versus the fitness, uh, well, we the message we try to get, and, and, and I think people should hear is, um, looking good is not bad. Right. But it's also not necessarily the primary reason for why we do all this stuff. No. <laughs> it's a no. it's a great secondary thing. Right. Uh, and uh, and you know, if you're married, it, it is good. To, to be attractive to your spouse, you're, you're, you're committed to them for the rest of, of your life, so right. you should probably try to be attractive to them. Right. Uh, if you're single, uh, there's a lot of things that we can learn from when we look at someone and we want to be uh, we want to be with someone who we're attracted to. Right. And we also, you know, I, I mean, when I was single, I wanted to be someone who cared about, uh, someone who cared about their body right. uh, and taking care of it. So there's, like, there, looking good is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not the primary reason. No, it is not. And then, uh, and then in churches, like I said, it's like, it's just not, it's just not brought up at all. Uh -uh. And it could totally be brought from a biblical perspective. I mean, everything from just the fact that, uh, the idea that, that we are all one body and what you do to one member of the body, do the rest, the uh, rest of the body. It, okay. Well, if you're, if you fail to take care of your body, right. And that's having a negative impact on the body of Christ. Right. Absolutely. That's the reality it's, it. <laughs> it, we are made in the image of Christ. 
if we do not take care of what he has made us into, it's blasphemy. Yeah. It's blasphemy. And, yep. and I think yeah. if people think about that, because, or if you think I'm not good enough to do so-and-so, whatever, that is also blasphemy. Yeah. We're made in his image. Yeah. So we are supposed to take care of it. We are supposed to take care of it. And this is what I feel like we're saying, is that that has not been taught. Yeah. That has not been taught. And so it's the looking good means... Is it like you say? Is nice, but yeah, it's neither yeah. here nor there. Right. What taking care of it, and so that we can do what He wants us to do, and the job we've been sent here to do—that's what's important. Yeah. That's the only thing that's important, and and the lives we can touch and and help lift up and move forward, and that's that's why we're here. Yeah, that is why we're here. Um. Kind of switching topics. What are some of the changes you've seen in the fitness industry? Because you've, uh, I've been in the fitness industry thirteen years now. Uh, in the in the business, I've been um, I've been exercising for about twenty five years. But you got like three times that. So uh, yes. what uh, in the industry for sure? Like what were some of the changes you've seen over the last uh, you know several decades that you've been in the fitness industry? What are some of the, the things that pop out in, into your head? It, well, what pops up in my head is that it first started out with, like I said, just exercises, Jack LaLanne and, you know, the exercises, army exercises and things like that. And then we went into the 80s with high-end aerobics and yeah. step. We introduced step to Memphis and so many of the things like that. R- and Real quick, what was the name of your... It was called Ganong Tough, and and then changed the name to Getting Tough. Okay. But, um, and so many people would know, we were like a fitness cheers. It's where, quote, the beautiful people came. It was the only really hardcore workout place in the city. Very cool. Getting Tough. Yeah, and it was really, really neat. And what we wore, it was during all the great disco music, and we had it full blast going all the time, and JBL speakers in the corners, and it was so much fun, and we wore bright-colored leotards and things, and I've always laughed and said, somebody came along, and everybody in the world may disagree with me on this, and and it's all right, it's my opinion, but some brilliant person came along with the term fitness and wellness, and I think they should have been killed because (laughs) (laughs) when they took what was so much fun that people did because it was fun, people will keep up something if it's fun and good and worthwhile and safe, and and it was, but it... (laughs) It, they turned it into fitness and wellness where you needed to wear a big T-shirt and long tights. And uh, uh, so everybody would feel comfortable. Well, what everybody felt comfortable doing was eating. Right. And so <laughs> it took it took the working out yeah. of it to where we used to laugh and call them the water drinkers. <laughs> when they'd wear a big T-shirt and big tights and bring a bottle of water, and they'd come in and do one exercise and drink water. And you know, you know, you're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, uh, we, awesome. we went from the hardcore that yeah. worked into where low impact and all the safe thing where people started gaining weight and getting obese. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing it turn around to, and then it went into the mega gyms yeah. that were biggest uh, city. Yeah. And uh, that, and so everything went big. Yeah. Now I see it going back to the smaller facilities yep. like we were with like, you all are yeah. not that small, but you're small. Well, it's going back to like the individual More personal, owners, yeah. and that's what works. Yeah. And that's what works is 
are folks like you that care about the individual, that address the individual and work with their needs, yeah. their age, their body uh, type, their physical makeup, and that's what you all are doing here that is priceless. Yeah. And I'm so glad to see it because that's what we were. And, and that I see it coming back to that, and I'm thrilled yeah. that there are more and more smaller, intimate, personal fitness centers coming along that, that need to. And, and I'm, I've seen those changes, and I'm glad to see it. Yeah, we, um, so I used to work in a commercial gym and kind of saw a lot of the, I'll call it like just the business practices that didn't actually result in people getting any better. No. And uh, I think one of the issues that, that they came around with, like, the big box gyms and the big chains um, and corporations was uh, they just sold fitness as a commodity. Right. And so fitness as a commodity was just like, okay, well, what's the cheapest or what has the flashiest new this or that? And it wasn't necessarily about fitness as a journey towards um, self-transformation. Exactly. Uh, and they just – and so – then they just expanded it, uh, or each individual uh, facility just expanded like the amount of people that they had. There was just no community whatsoever. They had, you know, ten thousand people, and they don't know who you are. And, right. And if you don't show up, you still play the the, the membership. Like, like, well, I don't care. Like, I don't care for us, right? Right. Uh, it's like, well, not a bad business model for sure, but is not working to help anyone get in better shape. Not at all. Um, <laughs> I know, we used to do, when, when people didn't show up for a while, I, I used to call them on the phone yeah. and say, I don't want to bother you, but we were just worried. Are you yeah. okay? Yeah. And golly, people appreciated that, yeah. you know. And they'd say, you know, I've just been slacking off, yep. but you're, thank you for calling me. And, I'm, and they'd come back. Right. Yeah. Same thing here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, haven't seen you in class a couple of weeks. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that makes all the difference in the world because then you really are helping people. Yeah. You're, and th why are we doing this if we're not doing it to help people? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I love helping people. So, uh, yeah, and I'll, when we're done with this, I'm going to let you read our vision, our vivid vision and our kind of mission statement because mm -hmm. I, I think it will resonate with you well. But, um, like, one of the things we talk about is – um, by taking care of your own personal health and fitness, right. right, that impacts you, and then that's going to impact that like close knit circle around you, right? And so, like everyone in a, in our facility, like one, we, we want to take care of ourselves, right. Then we want to focus on taking care of those people in our in our like closest circle. It's going to be our family, our friends, so on and so forth. And then as that expands out, it, it continues to kind of impact, right. uh, have, have, have a ripple effect in, in, uh, impact as it continues to kind of ripple out. And so, you know, we recognize, I mean, I mean you and I could rant on this forever, but all the negative impacts of, of not taking care of your body, right. of being unhealthy, of being unfit, all the ripple effects that that has on the bigger community and I want my kids to grow up in a country and around other people uh, that are healthy, fit, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. Yes. And so what we do, so we do want to help, like, ourselves. We want to help our, our individual clients. We also, like, want to have that impact in our community and beyond because yes. right now there's, there's like, this freight train of – of obesity and diabetes and unhealth that is just like 
every year is going up three to five percent. You're like, oh my gosh, like yes, this is bad. The, it is, and and again, I have the history to go back and kind of see when a lot of this started, and it started with uh, back again in the eighties when seventies uh, and eighties, basically eighties when women went to work. Is there were many women, and they were trying to run houses right. and jobs and do everything else. And so I'm and we all h- had that. Yeah. So that's when the fast food era just yeah. went crazy. Yep. And so and people were making money. They had two household incomes, so throw money at it and throw fast food at it and what do you end up with but obesity and yeah. diabetes and things like that. And how do we reverse from that? I don't know. <laughs> We're trying to figure that one out. That, try to figure <laughs> that one out. I don't know. But but the pandemic helped. <laughs> if well, there yeah. was a help, that helped because I'm always out on the street running, walking, doing something. And during this year, I have seen families out on the street riding and biking and walking that I've never seen out yeah. there before. And people had to, I've seen on Facebook, as you have, women learning to cook. I've never learned to cook before. <laughs> people are staying at home. Yeah. They're cooking. They're, I, I, you know, I don't believe that when this turns around, which it is, that people are going to be going out to eat every single day, every single meal as much yeah. as they did. Let's hope because if you're at home, you have the opportunity to have more healthy meals. Now there are plenty of restaurants yeah. that are that are addressing that too because they're smart enough to see what's going on, and I'm thankful for that. And you are know yeah. that that you can get more healthful. Um, uh, servings of food yeah. and and ca- you know calorie counts and things like that it, much more so than you could ten years ago, and so they're addressing it, and the food industry is addressing it. And that's going to help. Let's hope. Yeah. But th- but that's it. I mean, the obesity is just rampant. <laughs> yes, especially in kids. And that's what kind of like that's breaks what my heart. It breaks like my heart too. Childhood obesity. Now I'll probably get some some. Uh, push back for sentence, but like childhood childhood obesity is borderline child abuse because yes. um, they don't really have as much control over what go, goes into their body because they're not adults and and you just set when kids are obese you just set them up for so many issues physically right. emotionally psychologically mentally everything everything uh, you you're all, all already setting them up behind the eight ball, right? You know um, where they uh, they have not now have to overcome that, right? Uh, and that's just it's a bad thing. It is a bad thing. And on the other side of the coin, if you will notice, and and I'm in an industry in the clothing women's clothing business to see it, the high school girls and college girls. I wouldn't say they're anorexic, but they're borderline. They are bone thin. So you're either seeing obesity or bone thin, and there's just no healthy medium. Yeah, I see. What I see a lot of times in high school girls is uh, it's kind of the recognition that they want to look a certain way and be healthy, but they don't have any real guidance, and their parents don't know either. Uh, They don't have any real guidance on how to do it. And so instead of saying, okay, well, 
I'll eat good food and I'll exercise. I'll take care of my body. It's just like mm, I just don't want to. I won't eat very much food because I don't want to get fat. Right. You know, like so they don't eat any, anything. That's but not the right. That's not the right thing either. <laughs> no, they'll get a packaged protein bar and uh, that's mostly sugar. Yeah. <laughs> and that that'll be it. Yeah. But it's th- that to me is is I agree with you. It is just such a frightening uh, scenario for what's going on now is the the obesity and then the, the bone thin yeah. as well as in women's case and now men are doing it too are all the injections is that they uh, do all the botox and the fillers and all mm-hmm. this kind of thing which thank god I've never done but it's I've watched them start in their 20s yeah. getting botox and fillers and things like that you can't keep putting stuff in well i've seen way too many women that i knew before and when i see them today they'll speak to me and i know i know them but i'm not sure who it is yeah, yeah. And, and all of that has gotten completely out of hand i think that goes back to this the the kind of the materialism and self-image especially with, with, with social media and everything that goes goes out there and and going back to the kind of uh, medical mm, i would say like reliance on the and the medical system because in the reality i think the reality is that is that if you take care of your show me a 60 year old or 70 year old who's been exercising their whole life and they're going to look better than someone who hasn't been but then has had the uh had some type of uh, plastic surgery or whatever right uh, both are very obvious. It's very obvious to look at a seven-year-old who's been exercising. They're like, oh, well, you've been taking care of yourself. That's awesome. And right. it's very obvious to look at a seven-year-old and be like, Man, your eyebrows look, don't look <laughs> real at all. Right. You know what I mean? And right. So, um, but it's just, it goes back to that. Again, that this is that worldly message of like self-image. Right. And, and instead of, uh, instead of, you know, why, why do we do this? Well, all these other reasons that his, this is a good byproduct. Instead, it's, it's all about self-image, and, well, let's just be, be real. It's a lot easier to, it's to get some liposuction than it is to go, you know, work out. Exactly <laughs> right. It, it's exactly <laughs> right. The, it's the easy way out. Yeah. Now, I'll say this about that. My, f- my feeling on it, as I've said, I've never had any injections or anything like that. Nine years ago, I did have my ch- neck lifted, yeah. but that's the only thing I've ever done because – it's the one thing you can't do anything about. Yeah. That there are no exercises at all. So I had that done, but I've never had any other injections or anything like that. I've had laser treatments to brighten and, and you know, put a glow on there yeah. uh, once a year. But it's the easy way out. Is that I have. I mean, I'm telling you, you wouldn't believe the women that go monthly and get Botox. Yeah. Please. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's just crazy to yeah, me. Yeah. It just—I don't understand it. Uh, uh, one of our our guests and, and one of our um, members had a good saying. So it said, uh, "You get to choose your hard." It was the idea that yes, look, going to the gym's hard, exercising is hard, doing burpees is hard, meal prepping, eating good food—it's hard. But you know, it's also hard going to the doctor, dealing with medication, right? Uh, you know, keeping up with your appointments right. or dealing with dealing with the. Uh, Surgery recovery. Those are all hard. You can just choose whichever hard you choose want. Your <laughs> choose your heart. And that's heart. true. I, I mean, as I've said, and it's I'm not kidding you, is that all of my friends, all of my friends, have just one thing right after another. Yeah. And it breaks my heart. 
Yeah. Because all through the years they go, how do you do what you do? I wouldn't do it. And so they didn't do it. <laughs> and now they're paying the price and, and wish they had. Yeah, my mom is 64. Uh-huh. She trains five days a week, uh, has four about 12 years now. She's always active, and she did jazzercise for a long time. She did taekwondo for a long time. She started working out with me 12 or 13 years ago, and then since then she's been doing five days a week. For She's 64. She's about 130-ish pounds. Sorry, Mom, if you're listening. I know, put, <laughs> put your weight out there. she got a 270-pound deadlift, so uh-huh. she can lift up 270 pounds. She's the only person within her entire peer group. See? That does that. Like right. she, like saying, like she has no friends that exercise. Right. Everyone that she comes to the gym with is, you know, at best ten years younger than her. Sure. So, uh, and just so yeah, it's just frustrating when you're like, hey guys, like, you you feel to a degree like you've you've hit this um, this uh, you know secret gold gold mine of of uh, of life. And right. It's like I want to share it with you, but right. But th- yeah. It, 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 they're just so resistant to like doing anything. They it's are frustrating. Res- they are resistant to to doing anything about it. And then, uh, you know, then they'll say it's t- they either are too so young they think it's never going to happen to them, or they're at an age where they think it's too late. Yeah. Well, it's, too it's late. never too late. Mm-mm. You and I both know this that it is medically proven. Eighty-five year old people can start lifting weight and increase their bone dis- density yeah. and muscle. We mass. had a guy who was. I can't remember how, maybe he was 93. I can't remember, he was in his 90s, so I can't remember exactly how old he was, but he was in his 90s and started exercising for the yes. first time. He was awesome. It's he great. Was, yeah. I mean, it's... Tr- we, fi- we, we visually saw that this guy uh, decrease in age. Yeah. Like, improve his abilities, like, significantly. Right. We're like, wow, like, when he's, like, looks like he's 10 years younger. It's kind of crazy. Well, yeah. let's hope this. Because all of a sudden, we're beginning to see that in the media, where they're marketing people like that. And 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 as far as women, we're seeing um, uh, 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 Jane Fonda and Cher, and of course, they've all had all kinds of work done. But still, they're preaching, you know, take care of yourself and do that kind of thing. And so let's hope that maybe it encourages people to to believe that you're not too old you're never too old 100 percent. never, yeah, never too, too old, old. to until you you know I, I've, I've my quote is that i may wake up dead tomorrow but i'll never be old yeah there you go <laughs> i like that quote i will never be old but <laughs> i love it but i could wake up dead yeah because that'll happen but yeah. the old will not because if you think you are if you think you're not you're correct 100 percent. and how many people you know that are in their 20s that think they're old yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm too a old. To, I'm too old to do that. Yep. <laughs> well, very cool, Betty. Man, I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. We're gonna wrap it up here. Is there anything you'd like to share with people before we go? Yes, it is. There's one thing I would like to share with you. I want to go back to my mentor, Margaret, uh, again. And Margaret, as I said, uh, nursed her husband with Alzheimer's for 20 years, and he um, died. And after he died. She several some time later, she met and married the love of her life, and his name was Herbert Hood. And she married Herbert, and six weeks later, he had a heart attack and died. Mm. And so I was talking again to her, and I said, Margaret, how do you do it? How do you have the spirit, and and how do you do this? And she said, Well, darling, let me put it to you this way: when Mose 
Askew, her husband with Alzheimer's, got so bad we had to place him in a nursing home. She said, my children went with me, and we went, and we put him in the nursing home. And we came outside, and they both looked at me, and they said, now what are you going to do? And she said, I'll tell you exactly what I'm going to do. She said, I always thought I'd look good in red, and your daddy would never let me wear red. He said it was the sign of a wanton woman. And last week I was in Lowman's Plaza, and I saw the most beautiful red dress I've ever seen in the window. And she said, as soon as I take you all home, I'm going and I'm going to buy that red dress. I'm going to put it on. I'm going to get in the car, and I'm going to come back and get you. And we're going to go to the country club tonight, and we're going to eat dinner, and we're going to dance, and we're going to move forward. And she said, honey, Sometime you just have to put your red dress on and keep going. I love it. Love it. So thank you. And I appreciate you having me so much. I've really enjoyed this. And hopefully we've said something today that will enlighten somebody. 100%. All right. Thank you, Betty. MBS Fitness Radio, out. Thank you for listening to NBS Fitness Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, follow us on social media, and check out our website at www.nbsfitness.net. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more NBS Fitness Radio.